Our first reading is from Paul's second letter to the Corinthians, the first chapter, beginning with verse 18. As surely as God is faithful, our word to you has not been yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, whom we proclaimed among you, Silvanus and Timothy and I, was not yes and no, but in him it is always yes. For all the promises of God find their yes in him. That is why it is through him that we utter our amen to God for his glory. And it is God who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us and who has also put his seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please stand for the reading of the gospel. The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the sixth chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said to him, excuse me, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not be hunger, shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. This is the gospel of the Lord. Well, grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. So it's the end of our prayer sermon series. So how do you end a a sermon series on prayer? Well, how do you end prayer? As we talked about in the children's message, we say amen. Have you ever thought about that that word amen? We talked about it a little bit at the in the children's message, but is amen just so everybody knows that you're done praying now? Does it is it so God knows that you're done praying? You know, we're supposed to pray without ceasing, but are we saying, okay, God, I'm I'm through with this time? I've heard it said at Lutheran gatherings that amen means, okay, let's eat. That's usually what it means. Today we're going to look at, at two different things in relation to the end of prayer. Um, first, we're going to take a look at Paul's second letter to the Corinthians, and we just heard that uh, read by Ron. And there we're going to find out about the character of the God that we're praying to. Who is it that we're in this conversation with? And as we find out more about the character of God, that, that kind of shapes um, what it means to, to be in conversation with him and to end our, our prayers with amen. And the second thing we're going to do is we're going to look at exactly what we're saying a little bit deeper than what we did with the children in the children's message as to what it means when we say amen. But first, we're going to take a look at Corinthians. Now, the church in Corinth, Paul wrote probably four letters to the Corinthians. We have two of them. 
And in this second letter to the Corinthians, Paul is really kind of pouring out his heart to them. He's invested a lot in this church. He's been there before. He's, he's helped them through some tough times. He's helping them through a, a tough time at this time. Now, the problem, the reason that, that Paul is, is feeling kind of all of this emotion and, and anguish towards the church in Corinth is because the message that he had brought to them was starting to be questioned. And there were outside forces that were coming in and were starting to tear away at the message that Paul had given to them. And and they were starting to hear a different gospel. And of course, they were in in Corinth, which was a very worldly city. And so they were having all of these tensions and pressures. And Paul, as a pastor, he's got a pastor's heart for the people. And he's realizing that they're, they're going through all of these things. And, and what's hurting him the most, I think, is that they're not trusting him. They're not believing him or they're not sticking to what he had told them about Jesus and about the truthfulness of the God that was revealed in the person of Jesus Christ. And, and so this is breaking his heart, that they're falling away from the gospel. And what Paul does in this epistle to the Corinthians is explain that the power of the gospel is what unites them. As a people, when all of these things are are pressing in on them and other voices are starting to speak to them, that there is a truthfulness in the gospel of Jesus Christ and in that they can find unity and they can put their trust and hope in him when everything else seems to be falling apart. And the truth of the gospel brings unity in Jesus Christ. And what Paul recognized, though, was that the credibility, that credibility of the speaker is very important, especially when it comes to the message of the gospel. The credibility of the people that are bringing the message to the church. And when the people are in conflict with one another, especially in the church, and we see this even today, when there's conflict in the church, it can undercut the certainty of the faith of the people, of the lives of the Christians, because they see what's going on in church, and so the message of the church starts to be questioned. And that's what was going on partially in Corinth. I mean, how many stories have you heard of where there is fallout in churches? And unfortunately, people fall out of church when that happens. Not all the time, but sometimes. There's a kind of a buzzword in Christianity today. It's called deconstructing your faith. Have you heard this before? Where they they start to question because of what happened in a church. They start to question what the message of the church was. And so they, they start to question the truth of Jesus Christ. You see, as fallen human beings, we all have our own motives in life and our actions Sometimes they're self-centered. And this happens even in the church. People can lie to get ahead. We want to make ourselves look better than than what we really are, and so we're dishonest. And the truth can be discarded for our own ends. And when this happens in the church, it's devastating. Unfortunately, it leads to cynicism, which can easily translate to how people feel about the God that they've been hearing about. And what God has to say. You see, if the representatives of God portray life in a contrasting way to loving neighbor and loving God, the witness of the goodness of God can be compromised. 
And it's not only the leaders. Maybe the members of the church don't live out the life of loving God and loving neighbor the way they should. And so people say, I don't know about that church. I know some people in that church, and I'm not sure that I can trust what's going on there. Our sinful lives demonstrate that trust can be hard to find. But this is not true with God. God says what he means, and he means what he says. God can be trusted. His word is true. When it comes to the law, to his commandments, this is true. When God says no, he means no. When he says thou shalt not, he means thou shalt not. Maybe you've heard parents say something like, don't do that, and a child goes ahead and does it. The parent says, I'm going to count to three. One, two, three, and the child still does it. It's our human nature. It's our human nature to want to go our own way, to not have somebody to tell us what to do. But God, God is not like us. When our word can't be trusted, God's word can be. His laws are certain. There's no wishy-washiness to the laws and commands of God. It can be hard for us, though. Because we as human beings, we don't want somebody guiding and directing us. We want to be the captains of our own ship. Again, it's our human nature. And for those outside of faith, God can seem like a cruel, hard, and unforgiving God. There are no loopholes in, in God's law. His no is no. But the character of God is even more clearly seen in God's yes. In God's yes to us. You see, in Jesus Christ, we have a giant yes from God. Does God love us? Yes. Does God forgive us? Yes. Does God accept us through Christ? Yes. And this is where Paul is king in with the Corinthians. Even though they've had bad experiences with the word of human beings, there is no question about the word of God. God can be trusted. Even though human teachers have let them down and have led them astray, God doesn't do this. When God sent Jesus into the world, he was showing that all of the promises of God, all of the prophecies, all of the predictions about the salvation that would come from God, they are true. They are yes. All of the prophets, all the expectations were completed in Jesus on our behalf. All of scripture points to Jesus' work for us. And the message to Paul in Corinthians is, in Christ we have a yes and an amen. I think it's important for us to spend a moment in our current situation, in our current lives, in our own context. We've all been let down by people. It happens all the time. People can't be trusted. We experience it every day. It's on display when you turn on the radio and the news. I mean, can you even trust what's being fed to us? I mean, who are you going to listen to? What message are you going to allow to come into your ears? Is somebody trying to pull a fast one on us? Who in our lives is manipulating us for their purposes? This is the reality of a broken world. This is the reality of our lives. And this is the reality of the people of Corinth what they were dealing with. 
And Paul ensures them that this is not the way of God, that our God is true and he is true to his word. This is the confidence that we see even in the Old Testament when the people were constantly reminded of what God was doing for them. Whenever they questioned God, they they simply had to remember the promises of God that he had kept to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. There's a a prayer in the Old Testament in 1 Chronicles. When the people gather together, and at the end of this prayer that God would bring salvation, there's this resounding amen. All the people say amen. Yes, it is true. They were able to say that because they knew the character of their God. They'd remembered what he had done for them. Amen is a, a Hebrew word that we use in English as well. It's, it's possible that the word amen is the most common word throughout all languages on earth. It's pronounced almost identical, amen or hamen or hamen, all throughout. It, I think the first slide of the sermon, it showed all these different ways that amen is used in different places. It means may it be so, to be certain or for sure. It brings a level of certainty when we say amen. We believe this to be true and done. The level of certainty that we hear from Paul in 2 Corinthians is is this absolute yes, amen, because of what Jesus Christ has done. Paul could have such confidence that God was true to his word because of his encounter with Jesus Christ and the resurrected Christ. It was the same with the disciples. And it's something that we can be certain of too, that yes, Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Amen. In Jesus Christ, God is showing the world through the resurrection of Jesus that he is working for us on our behalf. It is Jesus that is the giant amen to God's work. Yes, even now and even more to come in the resurrection. Jesus would would sometimes be recorded by the gospel writers to begin his sermons with the words, truly, truly, I say to you. It can also be translated as amen, amen. The message that Jesus has given us, is giving to us, can be trusted. Jesus was stating that his words were true. And in the final book of Revelation, John records this in Revelation 3.14. To the angel in the church of Laodicea, Write, the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of all creation and God says this. So he calls God the amen, the one who is trusted. And then he finishes at the end of Revelation by saying this. Surely I am coming soon again. And John says, amen. Yes, Lord Jesus, come. And this leads us to what we mean when we say amen. There's a a close connection in the Hebrew from the word amen and the word for faith. Webster defines in English the word for faith to say a firm belief even in the absence of proof. But the Hebrew word for faith is amana. It's directly connected to believing that God is true, the God of amen, and he's worked to show over and over that he can be trusted. Last week we talked about the prayer that Jesus told his disciples at the the Lord's Prayer. And in the Lord's Prayer, we can surely say amen because these are the words of Christ. They are true and they will come to be true. As as Martin Luther says in the small catechism, 
that we can be certain that these petitions are pleasing to our Father in heaven and are heard by him, for he himself has commanded us to pray in this way, and he has promised to hear us. God is in heaven, yes. His name is hallowed, yes. His kingdom has come and is coming, yes. His will is being done, despite our own brokenness and sin, yes. He provides our daily bread, yes. He, pro- he forgives us because of Jesus' work on the cross, yes. He leads us from temptation, delivering us from evil, yes, and amen. We can be confident of all of these things for sure. At the end of the Lord's Prayer, have you been in a Catholic setting before where you're saying the Lord's Prayer and all of a sudden they stop and, and you don't? You ever wondered why that is? Well, um, the, the last part of the Lord's Prayer is, is uh, it's not in all the texts. The earliest Greek texts don't have that last little section of the Lord's Prayer. And so when the, the Vulgate, which is the Latin version of the Bible was translated, the Vulgate used the earliest texts and they didn't have that section. The King James Version used some later texts to, to do their version, and that actually has that little last section. And it was sometime after 100 AD. Uh, I know I'm kind of getting into the weeds of the Bible, but I'm trying to help you out next time. Since we talked about the Lord's Prayer last time, but we didn't talk about the last petition of the Lord's Prayer. And so uh, in our version, our English versions, we have that. Now, why is it there? Why do we say it then? Well, it's, prob- it's probable that the very first Christians added this doxology at the end of the prayer because it was very common, especially in Jewish prayers, and if, as we've been talking about prayer, and if you look at the Psalms, they often end with a praise to God and, and some form of, of saying, um, uh, in, similar to this, yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever, amen. And so it is right for us to do that. In the, um, as we think about prayer and and wrapping up with prayer, it is good for us to say, yes, God, I believe it, and you are God, you're the one that's in control. It's the content that we say is absolutely correct. It's It's a model of what happens in the rest of scripture. It is right to give him thanks and praise as we say in our liturgy. And so we go back to where we started in 2 Corinthians. What happened to the church that was in turmoil? Well, according to the historian Clement of Rome, the church in Corinth held together despite its tumultuous history. Paul's letter them, to them apparently worked in, in keeping them together and bringing about reconciliation again because of the power of the gospel. And the same thing holds true for us today. We are fruits of this historic church that has held firm over millennia amidst painful times amidst errors and scandals, all due to human sin, but it is never because of the character of God. Our God is faithful to what he says. God's yes is yes. God's no is no. And we have the assurance of Jesus Christ, of his presence, his life and his death and his resurrection for you and for me. Our God is good and faithful. And I'd like to end this with kind of a, a looking forward thought. We often say we are a church of now and not yet. There is a truth in our prayers when we pray according to God's will. They are answered yes in Jesus Christ because one day all things will be restored. One day all things will be made right. One day yes will fully come. This is the future hope 
at the heart of our faith. And so today we can have confidence to pray our amen. Your God is with you and he's working on your behalf. He is faithful to his promises. He will not leave you nor forsake you. He is with you to the very end and for eternity. God hears our prayers. He cares. And because of Jesus, we can go directly to him. And the Holy Spirit intercedes on our behalf. And our God has accepted the work of Jesus for us on the cross. And so too, he accepts our prayers. In Christ, they are yes. Amen and amen. Praise be to God.